Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Dr. Sergei Kahili King. He is the author of many works on Huna and Hawaiian shamanism, including urban shaman and instant healing. He has a doctorate in psychology and was trained in shamanism by the Kahili family of Kauai and African and Mongolian shamans. Dr. Sergei is also the executive director of Huna International, a nonprofit worldwide network of individuals who have the dedicated themselves to making the world a better place. Dr. Sergey examines the types of night dreams we have, how to remember them better, how to make use of them to improve our health and well-being, and how to interpret them. His analysis came from more than 5,000 of his dreams, students, and clients from his almost 50 years of clinical work. Dr. Sergey explores how dreams are understood, in neuroscience and psychology, in Native American and embryogenal cultures, indigenous Sonoran dream theory, and in India, Tibet, Hawaii, and Africa, and ancient Egypt, Greece, and China. Dr. Sergey and I will be having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey and his latest book, Dreaming Techniques, Working with Night Dreams, Daydreams, and Liminal Dreams. Good morning, Dr. Sergey. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? Aloha. I'm doing fine. Fantastic. I truly appreciate you joining us from Hawaii. We are about 10 o'clock here in the United States, and I'm, I'm in Dallas, and I'm sure it's much earlier in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me. Dreaming techniques, working with Night Dreams, Daydreams, and Liminal Dreams is an extremely insightful book. It is an easy read and makes a terrific guidebook for everyone who is interested in dreams and improving themselves. So congratulations on its release. Thank you. Let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment, sir. <laughs> okay, that's a tough one. Hey, All we right. have a whole hour, too, by the way. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> I lived in all 48 states by the time I was six. Wow. I lived on a farm in Michigan from uh, when I was 11 to 17, where my father began teaching me esoteric knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I met my future wife there in Michigan. I uh, joined the Marines at 18, became a sergeant, was adopted by a Hawaiian family with an esoteric tradition. I attended Eastern Michigan University, University of Michigan, got married majored in Asian studies at the University of Colorado, did graduate work at a business school called Thunderbird, and went with my wife and my first son to Africa for seven years. And uh, that's where I did community development work. I apprenticed to an African shaman, and we had two more sons. Back in the States, I resumed my esoteric studies with my Hawaiian uncle and founded the nonprofit Huna International to help make the world a better place, like you said. I got a Ph.D. in psychology, lived in California for 15 years, moved to Kauai for 20 years, 
and now I live on the Big Island. <laughs> can't beat that. Really can't beat that. <laughs> it's a fascinating story and the journey that you have taken. Well, let me answer this. Are there anyone in your inner circle, whether it's family or friends, growing up in the, I guess uh, you call, you know, the, I guess the Midwest in a way, right? Uh, and so mm-hmm. have they, uh, are any of them like you in a way or has fringes of what you're doing? Oh, well, yeah, we have, well, it's part of our organization. We train people. And so we train teachers and healers in the uh, mostly Hawaiian shamanic way. Mm-hmm. And we have people all over the world who do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's part of, a, I guess, in a way, what, family business or a sort of a, a oh, no, maybe? No, no, no. It's a non no, it's a <laughs> no, when I say that, I, I meant but... uh, uh, what I meant was, you know, like family relatives in terms of like community wise. No, I wouldn't say so, because like I said, these are people from all over the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, In a sense, we think of ourselves as family, Mm -hmm. uh, in in a Hawaiian sense, Mm -hmm. but a very diverse group of people from all over. Very, very interesting. When did you develop a fascination for dreams? Well, I'd say the interest began in my teens, um, and the uh, fascination was motivated by my shamanic studies, mm-hmm. um, shamanic journeys, and uh, paying attention to dreams, a very important part of, of the training. Interesting, very interesting. And why did you pursue the study of psychology? Well, when I was in Africa, I realized that, uh, you know, I had international connections, and I realized that uh, more and more people were moving to the cities and the mm-hmm. shamans were staying in the villages. And so I thought that it would be very important for this knowledge for, to be able to help people in the city. That's where the concept of urban shaman came. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to, to, in order to speak the language of, of modern times right. uh, and the understandings of modern times, I decided that uh, the degree in psychology would be important for that. So you basically were trying to bridge this sort of uh, ancient understanding, the modern world, in a say, because I know that, growing up in Malaysia, uh, you have two separate worlds in a sense. Yes, that's right. Exactly right. And so well, that's what I was doing, just like you said. Very, very interesting. Uh, were there a lot? Uh, would, would, how were you received? I guess that would be the best word use because I mean the flip side of the equation remember remembering my time in Malaysia the fact that you know I'm not saying that people it is a cult but technically like say that's off in left field somewhere and then you got the right field and then you got the main field (laughs) (laughs) well actually fortunately at the time that I began uh, this work uh, back in the states um, Mm -hmm. the country was going wild with all kinds of uh, esoteric things. Right. And so there were all kinds of organizations. There were all kinds of courses and studies. And uh, it was a very big thing. This was in the 70s uh, mm-hmm. when I returned from Africa. And so that helped a lot. Yeah, I guess so. I guess at the time, the energy of curiosity took the lead for everyone. 
That's right. It really did. Very, very interesting. Did your dreams contribute to or resulted from any pivotal moments occurring in your life's journey? I'd say contribute would be a better word. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dreams have given me far more adventures and creative insights than I could possibly experience by just limiting myself to waking life, which is what I call this outer life that we are, um, pay so much attention to. Uh, so, yeah, definitely contributed to it. One of the things you mentioned earlier was the fact that you guys were encouraged to pay attention to your dreams. So yes. it's more of from the very beginning at a young age where you are focused on that's a process in itself versus, say, uh, the average Joe like me, we take it as uh, the fact that, you know, uh, it's, we're leaning more towards the nightmarish side of the equation. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> and then the learning That's side of the equation. The attention. Yeah. yeah, so uh, yeah, how, right. how do you justify that, sir? Oh, well, because, you know, there are so many different ideas and, mm-hmm. and attitudes towards dreaming. Mm-hmm. And and uh, <clears throat> for the most part, well, I wouldn't say for the most part, but on in certain areas like uh, neuroscience, mm-hmm. uh, dreams are just called noise, noise in the neurons. They don't <laughs> pay any attention to them. And then uh, you have others that uh, only see dreams in terms of interpretation, which is very limited. Mm-hmm. And so uh, all I can say is that it, it, it's another rich area of our life that we spend about a third of our time doing and uh, you know it, it deserves a lot more attention from everybody very interesting sounds like uh, when at a very young age all your dreams sort of have intentions well I, I, I would say that they all have intentions but it's a little different than that it's like mm-hmm. uh, in one sense, the intention seems to be, uh, over a period of time, to give us very alternate ways of looking at things and thinking about things. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So what inspired you to write dreaming techniques? Well, although dreams were an important part of my you know, studies and my teachings, mm-hmm. the inspiration to actually write a book uh, didn't come until uh, much later in my life, but um, it came from the reading of a book by a Frenchman. It was simply called Dreams. It was written by the Marquis d'Hervé de Saint-Denis in 1867. Fortunately, I I can read French. And it was the subtitle that caught my attention. The subtitle was Dreams and the Way to Direct Them. Mm -hmm. And it was based on his own dream journals. And so my book is based on more than 5,000 of my own dreams recorded in my journals. Fascinating. That's really wonderful. Well, you did uh, dedicate the book <laughs> uh, to him, so that's wonderful. Uh, the, when you look at the process that you put everything together, I mean, again, your book is a fascinating read. Uh, it's very detailed, very well organized, and in many ways, a guidebook to really to help people understand and to really use dream as an asset in every way. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So that's really, really cool. Please give us a synopsis of the various dreams we are capable of having. Well, I've divided them up into uh, different kinds of dreams. Uh, Night dreams, uh, what we might call uh, hypnagogic dreams. It's like the half-awake dreams. Mm -hmm. And daydreams and dreamlike experiences in our waking state. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, sir. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, so... uh, all of these are dreams when we, when we, uh, because they're, they don't have anything to do with what we usually call the objective world, mm-hmm. which is not very objective, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Does the interpretation of dreams vary for the various cultures of the world? Oh, sure. Uh, so many cultures will have uh, uh, different ways of, of thinking about them, not just interpreting, but even thinking about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are similarities. Um, the most common way of interpreting them, which is, like I say, the most common thing to do uh, mm-hmm. in ancient times, was as messages from gods or God or spirits. And mm-hmm. that's still quite popular. It's, it's a very limited way, but it, it's better than nothing at all. And coming back to the concept of science, what are the scientific viewpoints about dreams? Well, I mentioned the the typical neuroscience idea, Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, then you have different kinds of psychology. You have Freudian analysts Mm -hmm. who will relate dreams to our sex drive. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jungian analysts, analysts relate it to our soul. You have Adlerian analysts. Uh, related to the need for power. And uh, there are you know, a number of different other branches of psychology have their own ideas uh, about what they are. Interesting. So do dreams have structures and genres? Well, this is interesting. Uh, I got that from uh, looking over all of my dreams. I started to see this this sense of structure and different mm-hmm. genres. And mm-hmm. so I, I began to really look at that and organize them in that way. And, and so I could analyze that. I haven't seen that done anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may have been, but I haven't seen it so far, but uh, yes. So to me, it's obvious that they do. Interesting. Do you feel because of your travels, and the study of various cultures, ancient as well as uh, modern day, do you feel in some ways dreaming is a a connection that we can all have in some ways, in its own unique, special way? Well, when you say a connection, you mean connection to each other or connection to, um, oh, to each other? To each other as well as uh, to the, uh, uh, to the, you know, the, whatever there is out there. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to say yes to both of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can use dreams and different kinds of dreaming, uh, not only to connect with each other, but to help each other mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to learn from each other. Okay. So remember, we're not just talking about night dreams here. Right. Right. Yeah. And well, Go ahead, sir. Well, I was just going to say, when we talk about daydreams, for instance, 
we have a very curious thing that goes on in our society because on the one hand uh, we're told uh, uh, don't daydream and on the other hand we're told to live your dreams. And, that's correct. Uh, that's kind of confusing after a while. <laughs> so uh, the, uh, the I think dreams are I wouldn't say I can't say just important. They are obviously important because the the daydreams especially are used so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there's all kinds of dreaming that's going on. Uh, why we have everything everything we do that's creative is based mm-hmm. on daydreaming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yes, because one of the questions I have is like, is isn't that people consider daydreaming as part of creativity? Well, absolutely. When you think about authors, especially mm-hmm. fiction authors and artists, composers and inventors, and uh, especially the people who are in the entertainment field making movies and, mm-hmm. and all of those things, they have to daydream mm-hmm. in order mm-hmm. to uh, to. Uh, get down and and bring into a way to share with other people. They have to share their daydreams. Mm-hmm. Very true. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Dr. Sergey Kahili King. He is the author of Dreaming Techniques, Working with Night Dreams, Daydreams, and Liminal Dreams. Dr. Sergey examines the types of night dreams we have, how to remember them better, how to make use of them to improve our health and wellness, and how to interpret them. His analysis came from more than 5,000 of his dreams, students, clients, from his almost 50 years of clinical work. Dr. Sergey explores how dreams are understood in neuroscience and psychology, in Native Americans and Aboriginal cultures, indigenous Sonoy, dream theory, and in India, Tibet, Hawaii, and Africa, and ancient Egypt, Greece, and China. We're having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey and his latest book, Dreaming Techniques, Working with Night Dreams, Daydreams, and Liminal Dreams. So, Dr. Sergey, let's break all the different types of dreams down. What is the difference between night dreams, daydreams, and liminal dreams? Well, the biggest difference is that we have some dreams with our eyes closed. We have some dreams with our eyes open. <laughs> uh, now, the, the, the ones we have, the, the, uh, most people will have the least connection to are mm-hmm. the night dreams because that's not uh, supported very strongly in our, in our culture as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, the others people have and don't even think of them hardly as dreams and dreaming, which, but they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, nevertheless, it's the, the uh, night dreams. Okay, many things have come out of the night dreams. You know, an awful lot of uh, creative work has come out of, of both for inventors. I mean, the night dreams now, not just the daydreaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, different kinds of inventions have come out of that. Different kinds of, quite a number of different uh, novels have been born uh, from the night dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, creative people use them. Mm-hmm. 
Very, very interesting. In reading the book, what I'm trying to do is like, okay, I'm looking back introspection with all my various dreams that I've had. And one of the things that uh, during my toughest time, or not say, I, I don't know whether you call it tough because it's all relative, right? But there were several mm-hmm. times, a period of time where I dreamt that the curtain call, on curtain call, and I'm having this tough time getting backstage, whether I'm mm-hmm. in the building itself or I'm on the road to the stage, I am having this tremendous amount of time. So I remember that. And those are the dreams that I have at night that I could remember because the rest of the time I tend to forget the moment I wake up. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, the ones with the emotional content are the ones that mm-hmm. most people remember. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes... I don't think you can have a, a direct connection, but sometimes the nature of the, de- the night dream uh, mm-hmm. does reflect um, anxieties and fears and, and questions that we have, uh, only it, it comes as a different kind of story. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we compare it to uh, our usual life, why mm-hmm. uh, it seems absurd. Uh, you know, what am I doing downtown walking around naked? And uh, nobody seems to notice or, you know, how can I get, I keep trying to climb up this building and I keep meeting obstacles. You know, there's all kinds of things like that. And yes, they can be, I would say, partly a reflection of some of the troubles that we're having in in, uh, waking life. That's interesting because I did have those kind of dreams too, like where I'm barely clothed, right? And no one gets to notice. It's not a big deal. I mean, there's no... Uh, what you call it. Uh, and what's fascinating about it is that I don't feel intimidated, if that makes sense. Like if I were to go out there right yes. now, <laughs> I feel like, you know what I'm talking about? You know, like we're trying to cover ourselves up. But in the dreams, like this is me, you know, it's like, okay, yes, I'm strength, whatever you want to call thing. it. Oh, really? You could, oh, if wow. you wanted, if you wanted to interpret it, you could say that uh, it shows that you're not afraid to put yourself out there. Huh. Okay. That's interesting. That's, that's good. Because I find myself, there were times, uh, apart from that, being in that maze and not being able to get to the center stage, or, or I mean, in this case, curtain call, right? And the times right. when, you're right, I'm the one with the minimalist <laughs> clothing on. And yet, I'm, I'm cool. I'm okay. I'm, I'm grounded. Yep. That would be the best word to that's, say, you know? Right, right. That's a good thing. So interesting, very, very interesting. Please tell us a little bit about liminal dreams. All right. Well, liminal dreams is you can define it by uh, saying dreams that are on the border of what we call reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it includes a whole lot of things that happen uh, that, for the most part, especially in terms of science, shouldn't happen. Okay. Uh, among other things, among other things, um, to, to make it simple, there's a lot of places where people go and certain people will see things like uh, Gettysburg is one uh, place that's well known for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people who go there and hear the battle and sometimes see the battle that's going on. And this kind of thing has been recorded oh, for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, and here in, here in Hawaii, there's a tradition an experience that some people have, and it doesn't matter whether you're, you don't have to be Hawaiian, you can be mm-hmm. a visitor, 
and it's called the Night Marchers. And uh, this is a an experience of seeing a at night, huh, seeing a troop of Hawaiians uh, in uh, native dress, like from ancient times, mm-hmm. uh, coming along, uh, men with spears, and then a kind of a trumpeter uh, who are leading a chief along a, a trail of some kind. Only this can happen. Uh, you can see the, the, the whole trail, the, the troop of people coming out of the ocean and into a mountain uh, or down a road. Uh, um, lots of different ways that people see it. Some only mm-hmm. hear it. They can hear the trumpet. They can hear the shouting. And some people actually see it. And this has gone on for a long time. So this is a Hawaiian version um, that's common. So anyway, we find this kind of thing, that kind of thing all over the world. And then you have uh, another kind of set of experiences where we have um, things falling out of the sky that shouldn't. Uh, very common around the world, fish mm-hmm. that are suddenly mm-hmm. falling out of the sky. People have, I know the scientists try to say, well, it was a whirlwind uh, when there mm-hmm. was no whirlwind. And any whirlwind wouldn't have the power to pick out specific kinds of fish. Mm-hmm. And it's usually very specific kinds that fall all over the place. Right. You have ice, big chunks of ice that fall out of a clear sky. You have, you know, just so many different kinds of things just, just fall. Uh, and uh, like I said, there's no scientific explanation for it. So how does it happen? We don't know that at this point. But it does happen. And then we have uh, just all sorts of strange little experiences that people ignore. Mm -hmm. Like you you put something down and you know you put it down and you come back and it isn't there. And you search all over for it and then you come back and there it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, this is usually just attributed to bad memory. Mm -hmm. But I've, I've, I've even experimented with this mm-hmm. kind of thing quite a long time and mm-hmm. it disappears and it reappears mm-hmm. and this is strange well all those <laughs> things fall into this liminal category interesting now is someone awake or uh, not awake all the time <laughs> okay I think that we are dreaming all the time mm-hmm. and I, I, you <laughs> Okay. And I don't just mean this that this our world is a dream. That's that's one part of it. I mean we're having these right. other dreams all the time. Gotcha. People can you can sit down and stop any time and suddenly this weird thought comes to your mind. You're you're looking mm-hmm. at a goat on a mountain. Where'd that mm-hmm. come from? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. It, we don't pay much attention to these things, but I they're mm-hmm. happening while we are doing other stuff. Right. And they sometimes people refer that you know you have this wild imagination or something, and and you're right. I mean, it it is a dream in a way. I wish I was there. That's right, sure it is. Uh, kind of thing, you know, right? Yeah, you're right. Except we're it's a we are consciously walking and dreaming at the same time. That's right. Very very interesting. Coming back to the night dreams, are night dreams better than all the other types of dreams? No, I, I wouldn't say so at all. They're just another different kind. Like I said, some dreams are with eyes closed and some are with eyes open. 
And the reason I say that is because night dreams tend to be the intense one, right? And then not to mention you can't remember it or you happen to get up and then uh, use the bathroom okay. or whatever. And then you go back and say, well, let me you know, start chapter two here. And it doesn't work that way. <laughs> well, that's true. But the thing is that we think of the night dreams as, as only remembering, you know, the only ones we have are the intense ones. And that's just not so. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I found out when I started doing my journals, <clears throat> I could have a nightmare mm-hmm. and then four or five other dreams that were completely normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, But we're attracted to the one. We remember the one, like I said earlier, with the most emotional content. That's the one that catches our eye. Now, it's the same right. thing in waking life. Let's look at something in waking life. You know, one of the things of, that I did with my students when we were talking about this kind of thing would be say, okay, well, you know, remember a vacation or remember um, some, some trip that you took or something like that. And so Mm -hmm. they give some, some of those qualities and I say, okay, now tell me what you had for lunch two weeks ago, Tuesday. Blank. (laughs) Right, right, right. right. Now here was an event that happened, but had no emotional content. You got no recall. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Mm. That's right. Because if it's, you know, blended, it just doesn't stick. It's got to ruffle right. your feathers a little bit. Interesting. Ruffle yep. your feathers, that is. Um, how does nightmare, I mean, we talk about that a little bit. How do nightmares fit into the dream equation? Well, they seem to be dreams of helplessness. Okay. Uh, and, and, and any given night, it, like I said, it's possible to have a nightmare along with others. But mm-hmm. the, the nightmare, the, the one with the most intense or fearful or whatever, uh, is the one that's remembered. Mm-hmm. And uh, people start obsessing with that particular one. And sometimes <clears throat> because they are in a particular state, they keep having the same dream over and over. Uh, well, in my book, I give some very simple ways of, of dealing with that. Uh, and uh, where you can you can work with uh, nightmares and you can heal them in a, in a few minutes mm-hmm. very easily. Mm-hmm. You don't because the thing that re- that's most important to know is once the dream is over, it's only a memory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you, people start obsessing with the memory. The, right. the, the dream is gone. As as an event, the dream is gone, but they keep obsessing with the memory. Well, all you have to do, and I tell how to do this, all you have to do is change the memory, and it goes away. Interesting. You know, you make me bring this up that I really don't want to, but in reading your book, there was a section there about restrooms and bathrooms. And when you talk about the spheres <laughs> and so forth, you know, it, it, it's very interesting, though, because, like, that's one of those moments, like, we talk about we're minimalists, right? <laughs> we're appearing in that. Yes. And so I experienced that, and it's just like, who cares? That's my attitude. Who cares that we have that dream? No, no. Who cares in in the moment of the dream that I'm go, I'm going through this bodily function and I have other people presence around me and I like I didn't yeah, care. Right. Okay. That's right. So and I think that's uh, and, another thing that 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 shows is a demonstration of of a certain degree of self confidence. Really? Wow. 
I didn't, you know, of course, I didn't look at it that way at the time and still didn't until I talked to you just now because I'm looking at, you know, like, I'm not saying I'm bizarre, but I'm saying, like, what the heck happened to me, man? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> well, you know, dreams, Why, most you know, of the man? night dreams are pretty bizarre, okay? Yeah. Some of them are very ordinary, though, you know. Uh, no, I, oh, yeah, I go yeah. along and I have all these bizarre dreams, and then suddenly mm-hmm. I have one where I'm shopping with my wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So there's a whole wide range, but it's a wider range than we are used to in waking life. Right. But your book helps to sort of work this thing out and understand what they mean. And uh, again, just by talking to you just now, I mean, it makes me feel better because obviously I'm having those dreams during the times of challenge, right? Not knowing which way to go and so forth. And I'm doing all these things, trying to make things happen and yet nothing is happening. And, you know, like, what the heck, you know, like I said, the word I would just like, what the heck just happened to me? Can I get mm-hmm. any lower than this? You know? <laughs> yes. Very, very interesting. So why, why do people recall their dreams more vividly than others? Why well, some people do it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. Because, uh, Again, we the the more the stronger the emotional content, and not only emotional but sensory content. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's there's two things. One factor is interest. The more attention you give to a dream, the more often you recall them. So the ones mm-hmm. that are very emotional are uh, more easy to recall, and some people have, are more emotional than other people. So there's that's part of that factor. And then another factor is the degree of focus within the dream. There's a big mm-hmm. difference between, you know, having you have a bunch of dreams and they're, they're vague and then suddenly you have one that is so big mm-hmm. and clear mm-hmm. and, and even more real than most of our daily life, it feels like sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And that kind, of, that kind of vivid dream is, uh, has to do with uh, the degree of focus in the dream state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Do the food we consume affect the way we dream? Yeah, it does, but it's not consistent because it depends on the metabolisms, depends on other things that you've eaten. But uh, in general, we can say that, uh, yes, some foods uh, seem to have a greater effect than other foods. Now, curiously enough, uh, Mm -hmm. cheese is one of those. (laughs) <laughs> uh, that that uh, seems to induce more dream recall, okay, or dreams that are that are recalled more easily. And then mm-hmm. there are things like some herbs, like the, the most well known is mugwort, that mm-hmm. uh, definitely affect dreaming and re- and also aid recall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Can our lifestyle contribute to the topic of our dreams as well? I'd say to some degree. Uh, but over the course of a night, we can have dreams completely unrelated to our lifestyle. Okay. Uh, so, so partly, I'd have to say. That brings me to how do we use dreams to heal ourselves? Well, the easiest way to use dreams to heal yourself is, like I mentioned previously, mm-hmm. uh, recall the memory of the dream. Mm-hmm. and change change the story. 
or change your behavior. You're working with your memory now, okay? That's all you have left. Gotcha. But the memory is what's still going, it's still going to have an effect on you and how you think and how you feel. Mm-hmm. So you take that memory and you make changes. It's your memory. You can do whatever you want to it. And if you change it to a, in a way that makes it either more understandable or where you are more self-confident and effective, uh, that makes a big change in you. That's true. That's true. So that's where the, respectfully, I feel like that's where the science comes in because you're flipping the story. You're rewriting the script. Exactly. Okay. You know, unfortunately, I'm, I'm compelled to ask you this, though, because uh, with the state of our current country right now, we have people, then which one is real and which one is not? In terms of, uh, you know, I'm dreaming that I, you know, I, I rewrote the story and I'm living that. So yeah. if, my, if I, I guess, up to a certain extent, and this has been proven, uh, by signs where you can hook me up to a lie detector test where I have convinced myself that this is real. Even the lie detector test says that God's belief is real. No, you're absolutely right. And so what we have, people are externalizing Mm -hmm. uh, their dreams in very different ways. Right. And they they have convinced themselves that the way they're looking at things is the way right. things are. Mm-hmm. And wow, those, those, are, those are tough things to, to deal with when, when they're quite far apart in context. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What are lucid dreams? Lucid dreams uh, are those uh, that you have at night in which you are well, there's several things, but one of them is when you're aware of who you are, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the you that you are in waking life. Like I can have a dream and somebody will come up and say, oh, Serge King, hi. Or mm-hmm. I'll, I'll have something, ha- somebody will hand me something that will have my name on it. Um, that's one uh, part of lucidity. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because you can have all kinds of dreams in which you are someone or something else, too. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. dreams in which you are just watching an event rather than mm-hmm. being in it. Mm-hmm. A lot of variations. Mm-hmm. So lucidity is where part of it is you are aware of who you are. Uh, mm-hmm. Another one is uh, you may not be aware of who you are, but you consciously change events mm-hmm. you know, without knowing it's a dream. Mm-hmm. When, when you do something that makes things change, that's mm-hmm. lucidity. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it's uh, one other part is recognition that it is a dream or an illusion. And you can do that and still go along with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, this isn't real, but I'm still going to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I'd say the deepest part is uh, the awareness that you're dreaming and you are consciously changing something. Mm-hmm. And all those are different kinds of lucidity. Very interesting. Can dreams foretell the future? No, we have a big question out coming up on that one. Uh, in my opinion, no, because I don't think the future exists yet. Mm-hmm. However, they, what I think is that they can reveal current patterns uh, existing, maybe out of, out of sight that you're not aware of, that could evolve into a future event. Mm-hmm. 
And so what, what convinces me of this is that when someone has what seems to be a precognitive dream, or even myself, uh, again, I can change the story or have the other person change the story so that a similar event occurs that is, uh, let's say, not dangerous or, or is uh, uh, more useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you are changing the pattern in the present and the present is what grows into what becomes the future. I don't think it's out there waiting for us. Right, right. So there's a wonderful blend of like, okay, if you want to foretell the future, your actions today will result in what your anticipation of tomorrow will be. That's right. Interesting. Very, very interesting. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hophopper. My guest is Dr. Serge Kahili King. He is the author of Dream Techniques, Working with Night Dreams, Daydreams, and Liminal Dreams. Dr. Serge examines the type of night dreams we have, have to remember them better, how to make them make use of them to improve our health and well-being, and how to interpret them. His analysis came from more than 5,000 of his dreams, students, and clients from his almost 50 years of clinical work. Dr. Serge explore how dreams are uh, understood in neuroscience and psychology in Native Americans and aboriginal cultures, indigenous Sonoy dream theories, and in India, Tibet, Hawaii, and Africa, and ancient Egypt, Greece, and China. We are having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey and his latest book, Dreaming Techniques, Working with Night Dreams, Daydreams, and Liminal Dreams. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Sir, can you tell us a little bit about your experience with all the various ancient cultures in terms of how their dreams somehow have a sort of similarity with uh, the native cultures here in the United States, as well as aboriginal groups that you have run into? Um, I'm not quite sure what you're asking. Uh, Our dreams, you know, we talk about dreams at one time, like connects cultures together, uh, even though they have different interpretations of it. Do you think that that is a common language in a sense? Um, no, actually, I don't. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is common in the sense that we have experiences, and like we have anywhere in the world, someone gets mm-hmm. up, uh, goes to work, yeah, uh, spends their day, may have an adventure, comes back, uh, sits around with the family, talks about it. That kind of thing happens all over the world. Mm-hmm. So that that kind of commonality mm-hmm. uh, can be seen quite easily. Uh, but the content, the content and the interpretation of that content is what can vary a great deal. Mm-hmm. Are they wrong or right? That's or is in, it just in, culture-driven? It's not a, question, not a question of wrong or right. It's a question of what the person's experience is. I and see. so that can happen in waking life or it can happen in dreaming life. That's true. How do we use dreams? You talk about the healing side of the equation. Is that the same as uh, using dreams to transform ourselves and manifest uh, and manifest stuff, so to speak? 
Yes, it takes dreaming to do that. Now we're talking mm-hmm. more of the uh, in-between dreams, I call them, or also like, like in-between that you might have in meditation mm-hmm. uh, or um, the kind of dreams that you have while you are fully awake but thinking about stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, all of this can uh, have a tremendous impact. So you, one of the things is that you can make up daydreams about yourself. I've had a lot of experience with people uh, using memory uh, when they were having health problems. Mm-hmm. And then so what I, what I helped them do was go back to a, a memory of childhood in which they were free of that or in which they were, were stronger or faster or healthier mm-hmm. and vividly uh, redo that as a daydream. And it has helped to uh, change their uh, physical, mental, and emotional condition in the present moment. Mm-hmm. Because the, what we might call the subconscious uh, is always reacting to what's on your mind. Mm-hmm. And that, the subconscious, and when we think of it in terms of, of what you might call the body mind, it's always mm-hmm. reacting to what you're thinking about. So if, if you're thinking gloomy thoughts, you're going to, you, your body is going to, to get tense and depressed, and you're going to have those kinds of consequences. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're thinking, I know it, it sounds almost goody-goody, but if you're thinking happy <laughs> thoughts, your body is going to be happy. Right, right. That's true. Very true. Is hallucination a form of dreaming? Well, yes, because you are, it's a form of, of uh, external daydreaming, actually. Okay. Uh, and uh, although it's thought of a lot of times as, as something bad, uh, it isn't. It happens yeah. all, an awful lot. You can see things, people, some people see things, and someone standing next to them doesn't see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the whole concept of thought forms that uh, is possible for someone to uh, create a thought form according to Tibetan teachings, and mm-hmm. people have experienced that. Uh, and so you, um, I've experimented with this. Uh, I can remember one time early on a Sunday morning uh, when I... I was in bed, and my children were running from their room to the hall, through our room, into the kitchen, into the, and back and forth and back and forth. And finally, I got tired of that. And I imagined vividly a wall, because I didn't want to get up and shut the door. So I imagined a wall in the doorway to mm-hmm. our bedroom. And immediately, as if it were the most normal thing in the world, the children went to the hall in the kitchen and the hall in the kitchen and completely avoided our bedroom. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was, I set it up as a mental external image and the children reacted to it, even though mm-hmm. they couldn't see it or didn't think about it. So we can have these kinds of things. I suppose you could, in a way, call it a hallucination. I created one that had an effect. Okay, that's interesting. Very, very interesting. How about drug-induced dreaming? Yeah, well, that's that's a really tricky one because drugs of different kinds can induce all types of dreaming. Yes. And now in some societies, uh, they rely on them for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like 
particularly in South America, that's, that's a, a big thing. But in other societies, they don't. And yet they are able to get the same kind of dreaming experiences that they want to have. But if, in using drugs for that kind of thing, it really, if you look at traditional ways of doing it, it takes rigorous training to use them without losing control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because otherwise you're, you you go into this state and you don't know what's happening. You don't know how to stop it. You don't know how to change yeah. it. You're just lost. And that right. can be terribly frightening, frightening and debilitating. Hmm. Do you have any thoughts about people who say they don't dream at all? Oh, sure. <laughs> people who say they don't <laughs> dream uh, are people who don't care about dreams. Okay. Uh, so one, one, that's, that's one main reason. They're just simply not interested, so they don't remember them. Uh, mm. Don't bother. And the other, the other kind is the people who are afraid of them and mm-hmm. avoid them. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason, probably a childhood experience. And so, no, they don't dream. And they don't dream because they don't want to remember them. So you got mm-hmm. basically the two types. Interesting. What would you like for your readers to gain from reading dream, dreaming techniques? What I'd really like them to gain is because, remember, we're talking about all kinds of dreams here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is a different perspective of, of their own life, about life mm-hmm. in general, and some tools that I provide uh, where they can use the dreams. Uh, they can either heal the dreams or they can use them to help heal themselves. Mm-hmm. Where can someone go to get more information about you, buy your books, and keep up with the latest happenings? Well, my books can be bought at... Um, www.huna.net, which is our store, our online store. Mm-hmm. They can be bought at Amazon. A uh, good number of them can be bought in bookstores. Uh, for more information and happenings, uh, someone can go to www.huna.org, where we have uh, a calendar, but we also have oh, hundreds of articles um, that are highly interesting and highly useful for people. And they can access my numerous video clips. I have probably now about 150 video clips uh, on YouTube at no cost, and there's lots of fascinating things. And or they can follow me on Facebook. Wonderful. Wonderful. What is next for you? I have books to write, people to help, (laughs) knowledge to share until I try out life somewhere else. Wonderful. Please tell us a little bit about your movement in terms of the nonprofit that is involving worldwide people all over the place making a better. Well, it's called Huna International. Mm -hmm. And it is uh, composed of of a group of people who are all volunteers. And our purpose system is uh, not only a lot of them, people do different kinds of healing. We have some who are professional, uh, you know, in the profession, psychologists mm-hmm. and, and psychotherapists and uh, people like that, doctors and, and, and many types of things. Some people who are uh, what a common word today is coaches and mm-hmm. helping other people through life, giving them ideas and, and techniques and things that, uh, that we teach and that they've developed. And so um, 
And then some of them have groups and some of them work individually, mm-hmm. like, like I said, in, in many parts of the world. Uh, very, very we can get, get a connection with those people uh, at www.huna.org. Uh, and they can find a list of those people. Fantastic. That really sounds wonderful. As we close this hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Oh, sure. My favorite recipe is very simple, and I'll explain it. It's to bless the present, trust yourself, and expect the best. Now, to to bless the present means to be aware of and acknowledge the good around you Mm -hmm. and making that more important than what you think isn't good. To trust yourself, you have to know that you'll always do the best you can in any given moment and that successful people learn from their mistakes. They don't regret them. And to expect the best means you're more likely to experience good opportunities than if you expect the worst. So bless the present, trust yourself, and expect the best, I think works very well for a recipe. That's a fantastic recipe. I think especially during our new normal right now, that's fabulous. Mm -hmm. That's really, really fantastic. Dr. Serge, thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in three weeks, Tuesday morning, January 5th, 2021. My guests will be Reverend Ariel Patricia and Kathleen O'Keefe Canavas. Reverend Ariel is the CEO and founder of Sacred Stories Media and a conscious online media network. Kathleen is a multi-award-winning author, radio host, and dream expert. To kick off the new year, we will be having a conversation about their remarkable life's journey and their latest book, Crappy to Happy, True Stories of Grit, grace, and love. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a very blessed holiday season. Dr. Serge, it has been a true pleasure, sir. Thank you again and have a very blessed holiday season and a very happy new year to you and your wife in 2021. It's been a pleasure for me too. Thank you very much and blessings to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.